Welcome to the Be Real podcast. I am your host, Diana Gasparoni. I am a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her programs. Along with my amazing co-hosts, Anisha Salisbury and Divya Robin, each week we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists from various disciplines and schools of thought, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We will give you tips and insights to taking the next steps, or if you have already gotten in the door, to go deeper. Each week, we are going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions, reminding you that you are not alone. Mental health is my passion. I practice what I preach. I know that the struggle is real. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content, leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together and look underneath the surface and get real. Welcome back to Be Real. This is Anisha Salisbury and our amazing host, Diana Gasparoni. Hey, hey. Uh, Hey, hey. You know, we've been thinking about like what what if what's been on our minds lately? And I think it's been mass fashion. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, we are living in a pandemic, so we gotta talk about mass fashion. <laughs> Diana, what have you been seeing? What do you thought? <laughs> It's funny because we did have last night when we were on the phone a conversation about mask fashion. And then I had walked out without my mask and I forgot. And then I bumped into my man and he was like, why aren't you wearing a mask? So we have gotten new masks this week. And the trend for masks <laughs> just been kind of amazing. So he has some beautifully constructed black like cotton kind of heavy but they have like the elastic goes around the back of the head like oh, two wow. of them which i have concluded does not work with long hair although it could just be me so i like the over the ear ones mm-hmm. <laughs> the ones that just go <laughs> over the ears and we have some lovely patterns and yesterday i clicked on to anthropology where i go regularly while i'm clicking to make me feel better because I like pretty things. So I like to look at the pretty things and lo and behold, anthropology was selling masks. So I have uh, two different sets coming so that I can bring it you know, keep it, keep it fashionable. You know, it's, it's so funny <laughs> to hear that, right? Cause as New Yorkers, right? Like we're in like the fashion capital. Right. Um, and when I go out with my mask on, it's just white. And it feels boring. Like it never goes <laughs> with my outfit. Cause like now my new routine that I'm like super happy about is I take an afternoon walk about one o'clock every day through the park. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm so like happy to hear that. You know, I like, I want you to be outside and go for a walk. You know, I'm very and happy to hear I that. I feel amazing. Right. But I'm like, okay. Like my spandex matches with my top and my cute little jacket. But then the mask, <laughs> it just doesn't go. So my thought is that, yes, when everything opens back up, 
my first brunch, I really want to make sure my mask goes with my outfit. I, I think that that's going to be a thought. And guys, just please understand, we do have to joke about this because if not, we'll be crying. So don't take it seriously that we're talking about yeah, masks. Yeah, because the masks, right, the masks are actually my least favorite part. So in the, in the idea that they can look cute, <laughs> like I can have like a mask and match like match my dress or whatever the case may be. Cause like now starting next week, when it starts to get warm out, it starts to keep getting a little bit warmer. I'm rocking those dresses that are hanging in my closet. I am not, I'm done with the comfortable pants. Um, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm rocking the dresses. I might even like bring some house dress fashion. <laughs> to go. That might be my next, my next round, but I am uh, the other thing that I'm excited about is I found these beautiful crushed velvet pink uh, pillows. They're in my cart. I haven't purchased them yet, but you know, those are coming. Those will, those will be coming. So that dress up, dress up the sofa. (laughs) Everybody's getting dressed up. The mouths are getting dressed up and we're dressing up next week and I'm dressing up the sofa. Cause uh, you know, we're trying to find ways to feel good people. Yeah. That's it. We're trying to find any way we can and anything that makes us feel good right now. And I appreciate. So, yeah, well, I'm super excited today. We have a friend and coach and colleague and change maker. And thought leader today. And um, I know we uh, <laughs> just got, got a little fangirl crush. And so I'm super excited to introduce the two of them. Um, and we're going to tell, we told you guys a little bit about us, our little stories. So we're going to talk about the power of storytelling today and owning your story and what it means to own your story. And it's so appropriate with what we do here on Be Real and also what we do when we're not. <laughs> when we're not saving a podcast, when we are working with patients and really connecting, helping them connect to themselves in a new way and own their story. So I'm super excited that Heather Box is here with us today. So I'm going to give you, uh, Heather Box is the co-founder of the Million Person Project. Since 2011, the Million Person Project has helped over 3,000 change makers from 70 countries tell their stories. That's so powerful in itself. She ha- uh, she has prepared Ugandan farmers to speak at the United Nations, coached social entrepreneurs for their first TED Talks, and helps first-time writers craft powerful magazine and newspaper articles. In 2019, Heather published a book, How Your Story Sets You Free, with her partner and co-founder of the Million Person Project, Julian, oh, I hope I say this right, Julian Mosin McQueen. Oh, that's a good name. Heather and Julian live in San Francisco with their son, Roman, who is one year old. So I am very excited to have Heather with us today. And um, so sit back, get your tea or your coffee, have a listen, and uh, let us know what you think. During this time of COVID-19, We want to remind you to be patient and breathe. If you notice that you are having trouble sleeping or concentrating, that is natural under these circumstances. We all need a minute to adjust. However, if you are feeling overwhelmed, extremely anxious, or the isolation is too much, now may be the time to connect with a therapist. If you are in the New York area, please reach out to Be Well 
psychotherapy.com. And if outside the area, please connect to a therapist near you. Again, if you're in the New York area, please contact bewellpsychotherapy.com. Now, back to our show. Hello, and welcome back to Be Real. It's me, Diana Gasparini, your host, with my super amazing co-host, Denisha Salisbury. Hey, 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 I am super amazing today. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You are super amazing every day. Yes, but we did get it all into one sentence today. So we are really excited. Uh, When I told Anisha who today's guest was, she had like that celebrity fangirl moment (laughs) where she was (laughs) like, woo, 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 woo. (laughs) So this is super exciting. So today, my friend and coach, she, I was her client. I am her client. Uh, Heather Box of the Million Person Project is here to talk to us about storytelling stories. And in a recent episode, I don't know if anybody lists heard it or remembers, but Anisha had a moment where she said she was talking about stories and it's really been sitting in my mind that people's stories will be different and the way that they tell their stories will be different. I'm excited to hear from Heather what she thinks. Welcome. Hey, Heather. Hi, you two. Thanks for having me. Um, we are excited. So uh, the way we kind of set things up over here is Anisha asked most of the questions. So because uh, <laughs> she writes them down and I don't actually ever I like I run in run in all over the place, but she gets a little bit more organized about it. But let's get started this morning by you just telling everybody a little bit about yourself. My name is Heather Box, as Diana mm-hmm. said, and I am the co-founder and CEO of the Million Person Project. And I'm the author of the book, How Your Story Sets You Free. What I really believe in is I believe in the power of personal story to create deep connections in the world. I think it's our opportunity, and I would maybe even go as far as say duty as human beings to be all of who we are while we have the chance. And a big part of being all of who we are, in my opinion, is telling your truest personal story and really allowing yourself to be known. That's what I'm up to in the world. And I run a company that helps people to tell their stories, whether it's in writing, on the TED stage, for keynotes, whatever it is. And I'm really, really passionate about the liberation that we can experience by being our whole selves. <laughs> take that in. Let's I'll take, take all it. of that goodness well, in. I'm taking it. All the goodness in, and I was just thinking how appropriate uh, it is that you're here with us because we want the same, right? We want people to really be able to live fully who they are. And just the name of the podcast itself, like our mission is to really help people be as real as they can, just embrace all of who they are. So I'm super excited to get to get to a little bit deeper in there. Anisha, I can tell that you have a question. <laughs> um, I, I have a question, but I was just thinking like as humans, we're just storytellers, right? Like it's a big part of how we communicate. You know, it helps us form connections with people. It gives us meaning. It's like this vehicle that we have to kind of like share parts of who we are. When did this become such mm, so important to you that you wanted to help others? you know, be able to tell their story? Was there something that kind of happened? Or like, how did this come about? I think one of the the biggest things is, you know, 
from the beginning of my existence as a human being. And since I've started to be in relationship with people, I have wanted to know every thing about them. And I've been a boundary pusher and a question asker and a like, Heather, that people don't ask that you can't, you can't say that, you know, you can't ask somebody how they feel like that. Like that's too personal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so there was that kind of underlying context of just, I'm really clear that our time is limited on this planet, which makes every interaction with somebody that you're in relationship with important. Like it makes this hour that we're together important. Like we shouldn't waste our words saying something that isn't totally true to us. And so that has just sort of lived within me. And then I started to do a lot of activism, a lot of social justice activism, environmental activism in my 20s. And I would get to a lot of that had to do with traveling to conferences, some of them abroad for the international climate talks and those things. And I would just be on buses with 40 young people from 40 different countries, sharing stories, getting to really hear like the passion that's driving these people across the world to take a stand. And it was so amazing. And then I would get the opportunity to go the next day at the UN conference or something to somebody's panel or to their speech. And it would be like this kid that had me in tears on the bus with his story and his passion. I would literally be like falling asleep in his 20 minute panel talk, wow. you know? And it was like, why, why do we do that? Like, and I started interviewing people like, why don't you share what really matters to you when you have the opportunity to do it on a world stage, you know, the UN. And people would say, oh, people don't want to hear about my grandparents. Like, people don't want to know that. That's way too personal. It would feel like I'm just bringing the energy down. It's too emotional. And I started to really see that people didn't know where to begin in terms of telling their story. They they did in conversation, like you're saying, it's because it's an innate human activity mm -hmm. to tell stories. But in terms of presenting themselves, they really needed tools to support them in being able to to go public with something that may feel a little more personal. And so then Julian, who is my partner and uh and I we we saw this and we started like building curriculums and thinking, oh let's try this, let's try that. And it that was such a fun phase of our life. And then we met this man named Marshall Gantz, who is an amazing, amazing, amazing storyteller and, and teacher. And he teaches organizing and narrative work at Harvard, but he's a longtime civil rights activist and has done narrative work his whole life. And so meeting him was like, he had the formulas, he had the worksheets, he had the understanding of how this fits into an organizing model. And it was just like off to the races from there after meeting him. So for me, I love that this all started from you just being curious about people, right? Just wanting to know more about people. And that really resonates with me. I think it is part of the reason why I do the work that I do. But before I was a therapist, I was curious about people. I wanted to know who they were, what was going on in their lives. Like, how did they, how did they get in the room that we were in that day? How did you, you know? And so I love that that was kind of your, your starting point. 
Um, I was thinking as you were talking about the emotional connection to the story and how when you are engaged in the feeling, you in you can be in in the story with them, right? Like I know hearing story like we are all storytellers, but we tell stories that are outside of ourselves, right? Like I can tell a story, but it's not necessarily a personal story to me. And I know that when I worked with Heather, <laughs> I was like a little bit cocky because I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I've been, I've been doing this forever, but we, but I haven't, right? Like, because in the work that we do, we help people tell their stories, but we don't necessarily tell our own, even though I've, I've told my story to my analyst, but like in this one room, just the two of us. And I know that she's not going to tell anybody else my story. (laughs) So like it felt really safe to me to tell my story, but in like doing the work, I will say that doing the work with Heather and the work that you have to do to get to your story, I probably couldn't have done it if I hadn't had knowing me as a person had the experience that I had in therapy first, but it was so powerful and shifting because I had the way that I then had to connect to people around me and tell them parts of my story that I didn't think I would ever tell and how much closer I felt to people, but also how much more whole I felt because I was able to take that story and have it have like really embrace it parts of me that I were, I wasn't in maybe wasn't as pressing my fingers together because I'm looking for a <laughs> word and I know that you, no one can see me doing this except for like, uh, I think it's the, the story lived inside me, but it wasn't as interconnected into my self. I know I'm not saying what I want to say, but I'm close. I'm super close. <laughs> and when I come back, I'll probably figure it out and come back to it. Yeah. It's amazing work. It is amazing, amazing work. I do. I'm wondering how you are, Heather, working or seeing or imagining how this part of our, this part of history, what's happening in this pandemic, how, how that is going to, how that is shifting and changing how we are telling our stories or how is it impacting our stories? Because I think we're all going to live through something. The whole world is living through something together, but different, right? Like we're all experiencing it differently. What do you think? What's happening? I mean, I think it's a really interesting, it's a moment that reveals the truth anyway. And that's just like, we are living on the world together, always. There, yeah. there are billions of us on this planet living on this day at this time together. But we usually don't acknowledge that because our realities are so different and we don't necessarily have like this common context. And so it's really easy to just not think about somebody um, in Mongolia or in Australia or in Finland, because what are you going to think about? But now with this pandemic, it really is clear like, oh, we're all, you know, I've been seeing all of these memes about we're, we're all, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And so the context for what we're experiencing is, so much more obviously the same than it is in an everyday regular day. And I I think what that gives us the opportunity is to really find each other and to really allow the reality that, you know, we are 
one. I mean, I really believe that. <laughs> like, it's right. like we are like we're together in this. The one of the things that I'm always saying is that we're so like deeply and fundamentally unalone. Like we from the beginning of the way that we arrive in the on this earth, like we are of somebody else's body, basically. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like so sort of on that level. But then we can feel so alone and so isolated and so lonely. But like there are people all and and animals and trees, but there are people all around us and it's not that hard to connect with people. It's just that we set up a a system in which we don't share who we are. So we just connect on them that we just say something we don't really mean to somebody. And then you wonder why you feel lonely. Mm -hmm. Like if you share who you truly are and you share something really meaningful to you, the chances are that person is going, no matter how different they are than you, they're going to receive you. And in the, in that is, that's our togetherness. Yeah. I'm really in thinking about how we are all having, uh, I loved that we are all, we're not all in the same boat, but we're in the same storm and that we are all having a similar experience and how we then connect to one another. And like, there is the sil- like, silver lining, but there is the silver lining, right? Like we are going to be able to connect to one another and experience one another, even if we can't be in the same room, but be like, we have this common experience that we can connect to each other everywhere. Like everywhere we go, like as soon as I get to put Anisha on a plane, cause she's dying to travel. <laughs> she someplace. Um, but like that shared experience and telling that part of your story, well, I mean, it's going to be amazing. So I, I think about when this is over um, and what will be different. My thought was that um, a lot of times everyone's story is not like legitimate that everybody feels like they want to hear, right? Like it feels like only some people get a chance to really truly tell their story, right? And so you know that we have like the people who go to TEDx and then they tell their stories, like the creative directors, people who, who run businesses, they get to tell these stories. I feel like after this, everyone's story will be legitimate because we all dealt with this and we all have an understanding that there were times during this pandemic that it was really rough. We had really high highs, really low lows. But everyone's experience will be um, legitimate and, and, and just something that we should all take in and everyone's story will be important in mm-hmm. a way that I don't know that all stories are um, always important to others. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the biggest pieces around personal storytelling is that that is always true. Like your story may not be valued in society the way other people's stories are valued and so the 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 very first stop in personal storytelling is is your story deeply meaningful to you like are you sharing in a way that that brings you wholeness that makes you feel free whatever it is that you want that brings you peace that brings you integration that brings you closure like whatever and that's no different in this sort of in these stories of our quarantine or the stories of this period of life, like the, the, the tools are still the same, which is how y- you are your first audience member. 
And so you need to write a story that um, um, resonates with you emotionally and that means something to you. But it doesn't need to, it doesn't mean it needs to be serious. It can be funny or whatever, but it needs to be meaningful to you. And it needs to articulate the things that you value most. And yeah. And so I, I really see the same, you know, like, you know, if we just take these, these past couple months of the pandemic and you think about your time in, since, since whatever day this started for you, and you think about a few of like the classic storytelling tools, which is like, what have been the most major turning points? Who have been your influential people? Let's talk about moments of challenge, moments of celebration. What emotions have you been navigating? Just that right there, that will allow you to go a little deeper into your story as opposed to like, you know, it was so crazy because I just had to wait in line for like three hours to (laughs) go to the grocery store. And I was worried because the guy in front of me was coughing. It's like, you know, that's not really a story. Yeah, it's a story, but it's not really meaningful. Whereas if I say I felt like I was doing great in the pandemic and I felt like I was being present with, with Roman, my baby and, and Julian and I were making the most of our time until I heard about that nurse in New York city who was 40 something who texted his sister from the ventilator. Hey, I'm on the ventilator, but I'll be fine. Don't tell mom and dad they're worried. And then the next day he died. And hearing that story for me was a really big turning point because I, I had been thinking about, oh, I'll just go on a walk with my sister, you know, and I mean, I could cry thinking about it right now because all of a sudden he had asthma and so does my sister and so does my dad. And I was like, dude, I am going to sit in my house and just follow the fucking rules right now. (laughs) Like I am not taking any chances. Why, why would a 40 year old healthy nurse die of this? Like I, you know, so anyway, that's just randomly the the turning point that came into my mind right now as I was reflecting on those questions. But those are the types of things that when we really reflect on them and think about them for me for yourself first, then you can start to build the narrative that you would want to share with other people. And I will say that when you work with Heather, <laughs> Anisha, mm-hmm. um, there is because I just hearing the way you you took one story and then from that, the other, the really emotional part of what was happening, right? Like the three hours to get into the grocery store is not the emotional part. That's just, you're frustrated, whatever. But the, the emotional experience that you have when you're telling, when you're retelling your story or connecting to that place. I mean, I know that for me, I didn't actually realize where we were going to go in my story. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And where we got to, because I was like, oh, well, no, I've worked through that. Like I worked through it in therapy. I worked, I did that. Like it doesn't really define who I am anymore, but it does. It defined a lot of the decisions I made or, or what I was doing in the moment when we were, and I didn't actually ever tell my story. The way that we that we had intended, but what I did do yeah. yet, I haven't told it yet. But what it did do was really uh, it clarified and enriched my life in a way that I had not. Like, even if I never tell it, even if I never do the TED talk, even if that doesn't happen, it enriched my life in such a way that, like, the um, what did what is it that we have to do at the beginning? What's the map? The thing? life map. 
the life map. So when we did the life map and I was like really getting down and dirty with the people that had influenced me and what that was like and my experiences with them and like how I got to be who I am. It was just, and like where, where they, where they pop up in your life, like why, where and how, and the, and like, I just didn't even realize that these people were the people until we started to do the work. I'm also like having a very fond memory of all the work, the work and the time that we spent together. So that was, um, yeah, it was very, it was very powerful and very special. Can Heather, can you tell us a little bit more about the life map? And why is that kind of like that starting point for you when when you work with your clients? Yeah. So, and this can be done. Anybody can do this and anybody could do this for any period of your time of your life. So you could also just do this for the, for the last couple months while you've been quarantined. It's the same tool. And this is a tool we use, um, that we learned from our friend Rosa Gonzalez. And she, it basically, it's really, really simple. You, Take a blank, big piece of paper or two pieces of paper taped together and you start mapping your life and you map the points that I was talking about, the influential people, the turning points, moments of celebration, moments of challenge. How did you feel? And moments you'll never forget where you were standing. The, you, you just map them out without judgment, without categorization, without uh, whether or not you would ever share that publicly or not, none of that matters. This map is just for you. And you use symbols. You don't write it out because you'll get bogged down if you start writing. So you just use little stick figure drawings or beautiful drawings, whatever you, whatever you're into. In that, in that life map, what you start to see is, and this is something that's really, this is why this moment is also really significant about the same storm that we're in is, that you start to see that where where your beliefs have come from, where your beliefs about the world and where your values have come from. You start to look to say, well, what shaped that? What shaped that belief system? And belief work is really, really significant. And that's why this moment is significant is what I started to say is because this is a moment for a lot of us. This will be on a lot of our life maps a moment when our belief about the world shifted so that we we want to think about that when we're doing our life map. My thought is that from this life map, you start to kind of look at the, the people who have shaped you. For me, I also think about the life events, of course, that have shaped me and also the labels that I either have given myself or someone else has given me that has shaped you. I've come up with a workshop, my partner and I call Healing Through Truth Telling, so we, we look at kind of the labels, um, that like either you were like, if I was given, I remember my mom gave me this label. She was like, you're so smart. And so my whole life it was like, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. But the day that I didn't feel smart, I felt horrible because I had believed this for so long. It had shaped who I was. And so at that moment when it wasn't lining up anymore for me, it just felt horrible. So when I look at like, you know, like my life map, I I look at kind of those, those labels that were either given to me or I gave to myself and and how they shaped me. And it, and it does actually speak to how I tell my story. Wow. I love that, that workshop healing through (laughs) truth telling. I want to take that workshop. (laughs) Yes, Yes, she does. Heather, after we book you in Anisha's workshop, 
Um, <laughs> and you just going to want to take one of your workshops. So well, I was uh, going to tell you that was coming. Heather. We'll talk about that when this is all over. <laughs> but I want to know a little bit about your book. So can you tell us about your book? So our book is came out September 3rd, 2019. And What's it called? It's called How Your Story Sets You Free, and it's with Chronicle Books. And it's a cute little orange and gold book. <laughs> and it is a, it is meant to be part inspiration, part guide for you to be able to actually do the story excavation work and then be able to put your story in some type of form to share with the world. And what, what's important to us about our book is that and this is, you know, why there's pep talks throughout the whole book, because the tendency that people there, there's just such a tendency to discredit your own story. And it's just, you know, we've done this work with 3000 people from 70 different countries, like there, nobody is immune to this. Like it just, everybody either says, you know, people usually fall on one end of the spectrum, they usually say, Oh, my story is way too personal. It's too sad, too heavy. Or my story, I don't really have a story. I don't have one of those stories. No one would really care or what. And the book is exists to walk people from whatever end of the spectrum they're on to a understanding and embodiment that their story, however big or small, or however, whatever labels they put on it, that their story really matters. It matters to them and it matters. And that's, that's actually what matters most is that it is that they can see that their story deeply matters to them. And one of the things that I just want to say as like kind of as like a public service announcement is that your story is not about what happened to you or about what you did. It's about who you've chosen to be given that or who you're in the process of choosing to be given that. And that I think is really important because your story is not about being surviving cancer or your story is not about navigating an abusive household or what, whatever. Your story is not about being a homeschool teacher. It, it, it's about who, like, who you've chosen to be within that. Like, the, the emotional choice that you have made to show up and be yourself in the face of those things or in the face of those adversities or opportunities. That's my, that's my PSA. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a really good one. And I completely lost my question because I got so, I was, emo I was very emotionally <laughs> engaged in how you, you were, it, it was the word embodiment because that was the word that I lost at the beginning of the episode is that I was trying to say that in, yes, in the winding my fingers together is that in the embodiment of your own story and this happened to me, it was, it, it did when I, when I got it all out and I was working with Heather, it, I was able to see how the critical points in my life were creating this movement that I was starting, that it was because of those critical points in my life that it all came together. And I started this movement, right? Like I started, I started be her, I started be real, I started be well, like this movement to really help people feel well, and feel integrated and be able 
and from that work, I was really able to see that this was, this was my, my story was what I, what I was, was what I was living. So it was really amazing. And I'm really, I just, I don't know. I keep crying in the episodes. <laughs> I'm going to cry again today. Um, so uh, go ahead, Anisha. No, I was just thinking, Heather, you worked with people from all around the country. The globe. What? Uh, the globe, right. Yeah, the globe. Do you come across people who feel like their story has no value? So for me, I think about that as an African-American woman. In America, I feel like America tells me that my story is not important because of the intersection of race, gender, societal positioning. It just feels like your story is not American, is not legitimate, is not important. How do you help people with that feeling? Because I'm, I'm gathering other people have a similar feeling to the feeling that I sometimes feel about my story. It's a really common feeling and it's a really unfortunate feeling that so many people in this world feel that their story doesn't matter and that these systems of oppression and, you know, have, have torn people apart from themselves in such a way that they, you know, that there's, there's struggle to even find why somebody would care about your own story. And that, that's reality. And that is, you know, that is what's happening in our world. And we have a choice as an individual to, to use our voice to say, my story does matter. And the, one of the first things that we do is we ask somebody, you know, when, when we come across this emotion, what we ask somebody or the situation, we ask somebody, do you see your story represented in the mainstream? Do you see yes or no? Um, is your story everywhere? Is your philosophy everywhere? Is it, you know, and, and it, the answer is always no, no matter what. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then we ask, do you think that there's somebody else on this planet that might benefit from hearing your story told in a, in a bigger way? And there's never, ever, ever been somebody that answers no. I think we all, when we get, when we get down to it, we do, actually understand that our story can change someone's life. And there's a lot of complexes within that of like, can I do it? Should I do it? Blah, 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 whatever. But I think we understand on a base baseline. Like I remember I was teaching once in this high school and there was a kid there who he was like 15 years old and he had one of those um, home arrest anklets on. Mm -hmm. um, and so he'd obviously gotten in trouble and he was speaking up in the workshop and just saying, you know, I don't have a story to tell. I don't have a story to tell. Like there, nobody has anything to learn from me. I've only really messed up. So what good would to be telling my story of how I messed up everything, you know? And it was like, it, it, what, what, what we did that day is we really walked through all of the choices that he had made. And we got to the point where he chose, given that he has a house arrest anklet um, and can only go between home and school, that he chose to show up for his sophomore year class, that he chose to be the guy that even though he had made all of those decisions that led to a situation that was not ideal for him, that he chose to continue to come to school. 
And when he saw that, that he was like, he didn't really necessarily feel like that was a choice, but it was. And I said, you know how many, how many young people are in your situation right now who are never going to hear a story of somebody who went through these obstacles and then like, you're a message from the middle, you know, like your life isn't, your life isn't complete right now. And all of our stories, this is a little hard for me to articulate. So let me just try again. Like (laughs) his story is a message from the middle, meaning he's actually going to be an amazingly impactful storyteller right now in this moment in his life, because it's not a foregone conclusion to him. He hasn't gotten to the other side. You know, he's not, he's not Oprah. He hasn't wrapped it all up and now she can tell a story, you know? Right. It's like, no, in the middle of the story. And when he decides to share that he's making this choice on a daily basis, that can be so impactful to another 15 year old, 16 year old, you know, that's in his same situation. That's kind of a long way to say that everybody's story is so there is somebody there is literally somebody waiting for everybody's story like there is somebody who needs your specific story from your unique voice and they can't hear it like maybe somebody is out there telling that same story they can't hear it from that storyteller they need it from your voice i remember that i remember that message and that has actually stuck with me it's a uh, when you think of all the people all of them, the millions and billions of people and the ability to shift just one person and connect to that, just even if it's just one person. I know that like when um, I meet new social work interns, right? And they want to take on the world (laughs) (laughs) and they want to like, I'm going to, I'm going to fix the system. I'm going to fix it. And I'm like, just one, just, just connect to one. And that starts to shift the system. And it's the same philosophy to me. Like if one, if my story can help one person, then that person will then shift and turn and change and somebody else will be affected in a positive way. And I think that that is the beauty of telling your story. And I, I, again, the tears are coming. They're coming. (laughs) I think that's why it's so important that everyone gets a chance to tell the story because you never know who is out there that you may impact, right? right? And so just because the world, or you you feel like the world has told you that it's not valued, that doesn't mean that it's not because it's valued by many. You just Mm -hmm. don't know who they are possibly. Mm -hmm. You might not even think that they exist, right? But um, I I just think that, you know, we have so much noise around us. Um, Stories can, can really get your message across in a different way. And I think that it's, my question to you, Heather, is, when you do have clients who contact you, what are their reasons for wanting to tell their stories? Like, what are you hearing? Oh my God. I mean, sometimes I'm just, I'll get a, I'll get a phone call. I'll get a meeting request. I'll get on the phone and, you know, someone will be like, you know, I just, I really feel like I have a story to tell. And I, I just, <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been carrying the story with me for quite some time. And, you know, I think other people could benefit from it. This is like normally the general sound of a call. And I've learned to ask different questions on these calls because they'll just kind of go that way unless I really go in, 
one of the questions that I always ask when I'm talking to someone new is just what would it what would you feel like on the day that you told your truest personal story or and people are like I would feel like an 8,000 pound weighted and lifted off my back. What's, and then I'll ask, what's your commitment level to feeling that feeling? And people will say things like, if I die with this story inside of me, my life will be meaningful. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) It's just, and these are people who are, you know, some of these people have done extraordinary things with their life already and blah, blah, blah. And then you hear them say something like that and you're just like, oh my God, like, let's go, you know, (laughs) because I think a lot of people do carry a burden of an untold story. You know, I've also had people come to workshops and do the whole thing and then come up to me afterwards. I never forget this conversation and say your whole thing about speaking your truth out loud and telling your story and all this stuff. Like I'm never going to do that. Like I'm such a private person. I'm never going to tell my story. Like this workshop was agony for me, but what I am going to do is I'm going to go home and I'm going to share my life map with my kids because I can't believe that I've never told my kids like who I really am. And I was like, oh, I love you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it, it is, it's just about, you know, you get to choose what you do with your story, but it's about being yourself. It's about being honoring who you are. To me, that's really important to do while you have the chance. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. And what I really liked what you just said was it's, you get to choose what you do with your story. And I think that in this age of content and everybody online and how we tell our stories or whatever the case may be, is that it doesn't mean that you have to write a book or have to do a TED talk. You, It's your story. You get to do with it what you share it with who, whomever you want. And if it's not a big public stage, if you're not going to be at Super Soul Sunday, whatever the case may be, like you are going to tell your story to the people that are important to you so that they can know you and see you in a better in in a more full and whole way. That story of just telling your kids like your kid that's amazing like the closeness in that family, like what must have happened in that moment in that family was amazing. That's amazing. It's you know, I was thinking because um most of us all we really want is to be seen and, and to be heard. And to be understood. That's and it. so if figuring out a way for me or whoever to tell their story will give me that, that can be enough. And mm-hmm. I think that when we first think about this, it's always about, oh, my God, how many people are going to hear my story? Like, how am I going to get it out to the masses? Yeah, that's not really important. Right. Like it's going to connect you with someone else in a different way. Someone who really needed to know who you are. And you needed them to see you in a different light. And now they're able to do that. So I think that that is that beauty of of the story that people tend to forget sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it really, you know, given this podcast, I feel like I I have to say this. Some of my, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to say nightmare clients, um, (laughs) but I want to say people that I love fiercely and dearly and believe in, but are a nightmare to 
uh, work with, uh, around going public is, has been therapists. So, <laughs> yeah. A lot of therapists who sense that they, you know, they, they already get, therapists already get the value of, of narrative work, of their story, of, of being seen, all of that. They understand it way better than most people. But then <laughs> when their training has been about not sharing their story, right? The, the entire <laughs> job is about not allowing yourself to be deeply known by your clients. And there's, there's spillover in that in terms of in their life too, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah. um, you know, it's a, and so working with therapists has been really challenging for me. But it's also been really beautiful for me because th- a lot of times we, what we decide to do is, which is the right way to do the work anyway, but it, it, you know, it gets a little skewed when someone's like TED Talk, TED Talk, TED Talk, public, <laughs> global. Um, but the work needs, the majority of work that we do is for you. And yeah. so it's like, first allow yourself to know yourself and to really look at all of this stuff not in a therapeutic lens, in a, in in a power lens, like where did you get your power from? And when did you decide to be this beautiful, powerful person that you are complicated too? But when did you decide to be that person? Let's look there. And maybe therapists aren't taking center stage all the time, which, you know, I think more of them should because they're very, very important thought leaders, especially in this time. So thank you all for doing this work. But even if you don't take center stage, you know, with your partner, with your family, with your friends, you know, you all hold space for a lot of people in the world. And then people get to people get to hold space for you, too. Um, I think it's interesting because when Diana came to me with the um, thought of, hey, let's do a podcast, you know, I was like, yes. And then I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) how much of myself am I going to make known to the world? Right. Because I always think about what if my clients are listening or a future client of mine is listening? How much do I want them to know about me? Because like you said, we've been taught to not tell our stories, right, to not ever bring ourselves in the room in that way, other than physically, like my life, the things about me, that's not really important because it's about the other person. So doing this show has um, in some ways been just difficult for me to figure out, like, how much of myself do I share? What is comfortable? What is not comfortable? And so that it, it's been interesting. I am definitely enjoying it. But um, it's always that little thought in the back of my mind, like, mm, should you say that, Anisha? Like, oh, <laughs> should you just keep that to yourself? Yes. And having, and I am one of those clients of Heather's that she loves fiercely and maybe (laughs) might be a pain in the ass. Um, (laughs) But it is, I remember having the conversation of how much of us are we really going to be in the show when we're here. And I think for myself, I've surprised myself on how candid um, and I'm enjoying it. And I know that some of my current patients have listened to it and it, I had a very funny conversation with one of them about the eighties and Madonna. <laughs> I think like in an earlier episode, you asked me a question about music and, um, but also a, like another, another one of my patients who I hadn't seen in a very long time found it 
and listened to it and we reconnected. And so what's been really wonderful about this experience and using ourselves in the work because we are now, Anisha, using ourselves and we're slowly, slowly dribbling out that story. (laughs) You can hear us holding back. But um, like, we're also staying connected, I think, to other two people in a bigger way. I think it is letting letting people know. um, I mean, we have been letting people know how we are doing without and having that transference and experience that they're having when they listen. I'm going to call it transference. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw the therapy language in there. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, Heather, if I want to take your workshop again and again and again and again, how do I do it? There's two different workshops that we're offering right now. We're offering a nine week program that's that's sharing these tools that you can do at your own pace, which is so exciting for us. And this was something that we built during shelter in place um, because so many people were asking us for, for tools and they were saying they had more writing time and needed more prompts and all this stuff. So we built this new curriculum, which we're really excited about. That's the free your story program. The other way you can work with us is through one-on-one coaching, which is what, what we did, Diana. And both of those things, and our book are all on our website at millionpersonproject.org. Mm. And, you know, I'm trying to up my social media game too. So I'm on Instagram <laughs> at Million Person Project. Too. <laughs> I'm like, I post like once a week, but you know, it's good. Um, yeah, we're all, <laughs> I'm trying to, I, we have social media for Be Well and now I, I'm trying to up my social media game too. And <sighs> There is a learning curve with that Instagram, yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It doesn't, we're, we're coming close to the end. I mean, I could hang out with you all day, but, um, so at the end of our show, Anisha asks two departing questions and I never know what they are. So Heather, <laughs> sit back and get ready. Okay. It's that time. So the first one is always fun, Heather. Okay. If you were arrested with no explanation, what would your family Assume you had done. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely did not see that one coming. (laughs) They would assume that I was protesting in Washington, D.C. There it is. There we go. (laughs) Which I probably should be. (laughs) Okay. So my second one is, how have you been kind today? I know it's super early for you. Let's let's just talk about the fact that we're in New York and Heather's in LA and it's only 12 o'clock here. <laughs> so, well, okay. She doesn't have much time. I, I think the, you know, my one-year-old Roman um, woke up this morning and he speaks sign language. And as soon as he woke, you know, just little baby sign language, as soon as he woke up, he started signing for milk, 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 milk. And so I was a little bit in, in a hurry to get ready for this. But I was like, you know, set my timer like eight minutes. I'm just going to sit here and be totally present and and breastfeed him, which I did. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I don't know if you've seen a picture of this Roman, but no, I have not. Oh, Anisha, (laughs) he's a cutie. (laughs) Oh, he is pretty delicious. Um, Okay. Well, uh, we're going to make sure that all of your information is on our website. I personally, as you have all heard, can 
give you the testimonial of working with Heather is amazing. So, uh, and if you're ready to tell your story, please, now is the best time. So check her out. As always, if you are suffering in any way, or if you just need somebody to talk to, reach out to us at bewellpsychotherapy.com. Thank you so much for keeping it real. We're going to stop here. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.